Hi everyone! Hi! And welcome to another edition of Superman's Other Pals, a podcast where I, Gary Rowland, go through an issue of the Silver Age comic Superman's Pal, Jimmy Olsen, with my teenage daughter, Ella Plum Rowland, and together we do the recap thing. Yes, yep. Look, I know there are other podcasts out there that do recaps, but in my defense, there's only one white guy here. Dad! (laughs) What? Do you know how many podcasts are just like two white guys talking? Generally two middle-aged white guys talking. Alright, well I'm a teenager. That was one of the things that like I... And I'm not a guy. One of the reasons why I it took me a while to do an actual podcast was because I didn't want to... I didn't want to do two white guys talking. Two middle-aged white guys. Right, talking and then, and then periodically and then often bringing up Nazis. I find that Nazis are brought up way more in conversations than I ever thought it would. Anyway, but somehow I feel as though we have gotten off track. So, is everything okay? Mm. I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. For those of you that celebrate the thing at Thanksgiving, ours was all right. Ours was all right. And that's that. So, we start as we always start with the cover. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, issue number 60. This is April of 1962. And... In the cover, we see Jimmy, and Jimmy is in... Military regalia? Let's just say military regalia. He looks like a toy soldier that's been brought to life. He's not... Yeah, it's like not of a particular era. No, because it's got like the really tall, over-the-knee black leather boots and like gloves? Yes. Oh yeah, those are like full like... Those are full like cavalry gauntlets. Yeah. And like and a like a marching band hat. Right. And but he's behind him. Honestly, this looks like it could be a marching band uniform if you just change the boots to marching shoes. And I think on some level this cover is supposed to be like that painting that is not as famous as it used to be, but is still pretty famous of like the revolutionary war with one guy with like a flag waving in the backs and then like two drummers and a fife and they're wounded. I mean, this is actually what it is. Right. So, although everybody at the time actually thought that there was a thir- that the third guy was holding a flag, but he wasn't. Well, that's the flag, a flag. Was, right. The flag is just in the background. But in this case instead of the American flag, it is the Kryptonian flag. Which is weird because the army is not from Krypton. Yes. All right. So, Jimmy Olsen is leading this army, and Superman is flying behind them and says, Great Scott! My friend Jimmy is leading a regiment of alien soldiers into a suicide charge. How can they conquer a super enemy with toy guns and a flag of Krypton? They will be wiped out to the last man. Featuring the fantastic army of General Olsen. So that's what we have to look forward to. So then, we then go to the inside cover. And it, it is a page... It is a miscellaneous buy things page. Where right. Where you would find things like x-ray goggles. Right. It is like a page out of an Archie McPhee catalog. What's Archie McPhee? Archie McPhee is a, it's a store in Seattle that has okay. a very thriving mail order business. And like it was the place where like if you wanted Monkey with a Fez... Oh, the little uh, symbol monkeys? Right. So, But like anytime you wanted anything with a monkey with a fez, um, the you could get it at the Archie McPhee. It was, at one point, it was like the sole the only thing they purveyor of that kind of thing. And it was originally like a mail order, like you get their catalog. Mm-hmm. Now it's online. 
Wait, this is still a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We almost went there. When? Remember when we went to the Seattle Battle on the Bank? Oh, that's the store you wanted to go to. Yes. Okay, okay. So, like, it has stuff on it like underpants for your hands. Okay. A Ruth Bader Ginsburg action figure. So stuff that you would see if they had that book, the book fair for high schoolers. Kind of. But even, like, pretty much every major metropolitan area used to have a store like this. Okay. And they still have it, but they there aren't as, like, Wacko would have a lot of the things that you might find. Yeah. The Wacko Soap Factory in Los Feliz has, would have a lot of the things that you would find there. Because this kind of, this is the kind of thing that it says, like, Throw your voice, which I never figured out how what, it did anything. How does... I have a question. Sure. So, I haven't heard the term throwing your voice since Scooby-Doo, like, right. when I was seven. What is that? Uh, it is essentially ventriloquism. Okay. The idea of ventriloquism, because ventriloquism was a super long word that was hard to p- spell and pronounce. Yes. People would say, throw your voice. Okay. So this is a place where you could get a book on ventriloquism as well as uh, see behind glasses and a mini transistor oh, radio. I pair of those ones. Those are fun. And atomic smoke bombs. Other miscellaneous things. Like a grenade. Some, some combination of like weird things that kids like, including a grab bag where you just basically send them $5 and they send you a box. Fun. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. 50 cents. Watch there be a note in it being like, thanks for the 50 cents. Right. Yes. That's it. So, yeah, for 50 cents, you just send them something, and then they just send you a box. Okay. Oh, an amazing new space phone. But what you don't see in here... What the hell is a space phone? I don't know. Um, You can talk back and forth between houses. It's a walkie-talkie. But they put the idea of a space phone on it, so that's better. And But they didn't need to because, I don't know, like, it's been one of those things that's, like, I found universal. Kids love, like, smaller children love flashlights. And walkie-talkies. And walkie-talkies. Walkie-talkies are great. Like, kids, I you know, I don't, you know, it is, of course, completely, totally, and utterly unscientific. But I have noticed that a, a, a large majority of children that you would not necessarily think like, you, they love flashlights, and they love talking to people in walkie-talkies. Walkie-talkies are great. Yeah. This is the, the, this is the kind of page where X-ray specs will eventually show up. But not yet. But not yet. They haven't developed the technology to fool children into thinking they can see through things. I, I think that they have, but, they, but not, not now. Okay, so we have our first story for years. The world has read of Superman's mighty deeds and the incredible superpowers of the Man of Steel's invulnerability, super speed, telescopic vision, super breath. Have you ever wondered what what you would do if these fantastic powers were at your command? Have you ever dreamed of being able to perform mighty deeds like Superman himself? Well, Danny Dare got that chance when they gave him a spectacular super toy. And ever since then, Jimmy Olsen has been trying to solve the mystery of Supermite. So then we have, uh, there's a boy in a bed. I'm going to guess that it is some kind of... Hospital you know, bed. And that the boy is, is probably dying. He's in pajamas and he looks somewhat disheveled. So uh, in front of him, we see his lunch tray being flown to him by a very small Superman. Yep. 
And Jimmy Olsen is saying, you're a lucky kid, Danny. Even I don't rate a Superman robot to carry out my orders when I get sick. And then he thinks, poor Danny. He will be disappointed when he sees that robot fall apart the first time he gives it a big job to do. It's only a clever toy. The story starts with Superman and his Fortress of Solitude going up to the city of Kandor and being like, hey, I might know a guy who can get you guys back to regular size. Right, so he goes and he, he sends Supergirl to talk to the guy. And then he's like, well, I am off to Metropolis where I am going to do a photo op. You know, I'm going to do a uh, one of those personal appearances. I'm going to help some sick kids feel good. And it, it is, of course, all arranged by Jimmy Olsen. And everybody's there who has a good time, except for Danny. Because Danny has been sick for months and is showing no signs of getting better. And they think he's dying. Right. And so, Superman is like, hey. And they're, they're like, oh, months of illness and he sapped his strength. He's losing the will to fight back. I'm, only, I'm afraid it's only a matter of time. But they don't say until he dies. <laughs> uh, but they're like, hey, we got to cheer him up. And so Superman's like, I have just the thing. I am going to give you a personal Superman doll that talks. So it seems that he has made a small Superman robot. That talks. And he's like, oh, look, it's a doll. And Danny's like, Danny, I am not a toy. I am a miniature robot. My name is Supermite. You are now my master. And luckily, Danny Dare is not the kind of kid who is tormented in school. And is not, he has not decided to send... Supermite to seek vengeance. That would be an interesting thing. Unless he he must destroy the corporation that has given me this that makes the thing that gave me this illness. A little Stuff bit like too that. deep for nineteen sixties children. Exactly. Comics, Dad. And so the doctor's like, "Hey, I, he's perked up already." So then uh, Super Superman's like, "Okay, I'm gonna go into the future. Bye. I'll see you guys later. Have fun with the super robot, the super toy." And so, on the radio, they hear about a fire, and the tiny toy sees the fire. And then Danny, and then Jimmy's like, let me summon Superman. And Danny's like, no, I'm going to send the toy to fix it. And Jimmy's like, oh no, he's going to break the toy. Right. So Jimmy figures that, like, this is a toy that, while impressive, is not... Superman. Superman. And is not... Because, you know, it's not. Also, not one of Superman's many robots... That he has that is that are invulnerable to kryptonite and still possess all. I have a question. Sure. So if Superman has robots that are immune to kryptonite, mm-hmm. why does Superman, whenever there's a possible potential threat of kryptonite, does he not bust them out? Just send in the robots. I don't know. Because I, I think, feel like that's the smarter thing. I feel as though there are a number of things in the superverse. That I think do that need to get like more attention or should play a bigger role because there you know there are times when Superman could use a super robot that exactly sometimes he's out of his depth and he might need he might need a little help like if he fights like I don't know Metallo the Kryptonite Man or Just send in a robot exactly. Or like, you know, hey, wouldn't it be great if I had a robot version of myself that had all of my superpowers or at least, you know, enough of them that uh, they would, that they, you know, they, they might not be able to take everything, but I'll tell you what, they can take a lot of things and I have this super cousin. Well, she's, she's not immune to kryptonite either. Right. But the thing is just like, 
there are times when you know two super two supers could be useful. Two super powered Kryptonians would be great, and that does not even bring into play the Superman Emergency Squad. You know, which is like a whole group of very small supermen yep. who can do all kinds of things. But anyway, so this is not one of those things. It is super might. Going off to save the day. And then for a minute, on the TV screen where they're watching Super Might, his image doubles. And they're like, huh, that's weird. And then it just goes back to one. And, and so, so you know, that is what we call in the, in the uh, storytelling business, foreshadowing. I know what foreshadowing is, Dad. It's five-shadowing, even. No. Anyway, so uh, Jimmy... So Super Might gets the job done, and Jimmy's like, huh, that... That's weird. That shouldn't have happened. Huh, that's he, weird. He's not supposed to be able to do that. Right. Huh. Huh. And then yet another thing happens. Oh, is it a nuclear explosion? Explosion. Yeah, there's a nuclear explosion. Yeah, no, I no. Mean, not it's yay, a. But I got it. <laughs> it's a nuclear test gone wrong. Oh, okay. Because it as we know, be as we know, right outside of outside of Metropolis, there are just endless nuclear uh, testing, like military testing areas. My God. Why does anyone in these universes live in any major cities? I don't ever? know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I would imagine, like, you know, that's always the thing that I always worry about. And that's that. Like, can you imagine what the insurance rates of somebody who lives in Metropolis is? Not only Metropolis, but, like, Gotham. Right, like any... On any given night, there are 12 people who are just ready and willing right. to blow up the city. There is a whole... You know, there is a whole council of supervillains <laughs> that have a tendency to wreck everything. So, yeah, I would imagine in in superpowered universes, much in the same way that if you live in the Doctor Who universe, you would be so depressed every time Christmas came around because there's constantly, like, in, you know, basically in the Doctor Who universe, there's evil every Christmas that are trying to kill you every Christmas. Horrible things happen. Why they just don't celebrate Christmas at all in the in the Hooverse? No idea why. But also, yeah, the insurance rates in superpowered worlds must be absolutely ridiculous. I think I read like a theory at one point. Of course you did. Wait, are you saying there's an internet theory? As to the insurance rates in Gotham, yes. Okay, of course there are. But can I say it really sure. quickly? Because I think it actually makes sense. Like, you can, basically, you can choose a certain set of, like, different supervillains to be covered from or for. And then, if somebody else explodes your house, you're screwed. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. But, like, yeah. Like, I liked that show, Powerless. That was a gr I loved that show. Unfortunately, did not last very long. Did not take off. There was also a comic book. That was a happy show. There was a Marvel comic book called Damage Control. That sounds like a less happy And it book. was about Comics the book. people who cleaned up after superhero messes. Yeah. Also a good show. Like, and the, they had this great, there was a great image of a robot that got knocked over and was like supporting himself with the Twin Towers. This was before 9-11. Ah. I mean, perhaps I'd someday it would have to be. I think it was Ernie Cologne who originally, he's a, a Marvel artist who originally started in drawing Richie Rich. He was famous for drawing Richie Rich. Richie. Anyway, so. I hated that TV but show. But somehow I feel as though we have gotten off track. Yeah, 
So, there's an explosion at a nuclear factory thingamajig, and then Superman goes to fix that, and Jimmy's like, it's totally the nuclear is gonna melt the toy, and then it doesn't. And then he comes back, and everything's fine. And then... And, and then, then Superman comes back, and Jimmy's like, dude, this tiny robot is amazing. Right. And then Superman's like, oh, okay, I'll have to run further tests on it. And then on the way back, tiny Superman hits a power line and dies. Um, and then it turns out that it wasn't a robot all along. It was that, uh, whatchamacallit, one of the emerg- one of the tiny Supermans from Kandor. It is Donnell, captain of the Superman Emergency Squad. Yeah, so basically, the robot, it was not a toy, it was, in fact, so when you saw that duplicate image, it wasn't actually a duplicate image, it was the robot toy, uh, the, the, the toy, and by... Donnell. So, um, then, yeah, you just find, he's like, okay, well, it was just me, ha ha! And then Jimmy writes a story about it, and Perry White's like, what is this crap? You expect me to believe that? Yeah, yes, Perry White, you live in Metropolis. Right, like it'd be so weird. Yes, you live in a, like a world yes, where there's an alien from another world in it. It is also very common knowledge that there is this small city of Kandor. Like you couldn't put two and two together and put it all. Like, yeah, just sort of the, some of the willful ignorance is weird. Anyway, so... Like having Clark take off his glasses. Exactly. So... Then uh, we have an ad that says, don't miss two, the two super spectaculars, Superboy, where uh, we see Pete Ross, who is Superboy's uh, childhood friend. And then stole his powers yes. and his dog? What? It would seem that way. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's Pete, Pete Ross, who eventually fought, figures out, actually, that, that um, Superboy is Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a major metropolitan newspaper, but although not at the time. he does this, does he? No, but like... This is like every Jimmy Olsen story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It happens fair. for a little while and then it fixes itself. So then there is also Superman, which features Supergirl, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, Perry White, and the Legion of Superheroes. So then you find out that that yeah, that basically Jimmy, Lois, and Perry are replaced by robots. All right, that brings us to then little Pete, who goes to where his dad works. And I'm over here. Never mind. I want you to do me a favor. Certainly for you, Pete. Sorry, I kept waiting. I didn't know where you were. That's all right, Dad. I really came here to see Mr. Mooney, your bookkeeper. I wanted some arithmetic homework done on his ad- adding machine. I mean, you gotta check your work. It's true. I think he just wanted him to do the actual yeah, homework. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so, funny? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but also, like, I've done that. Well, not that specifically, but, like, I'll be at a math test and I'll be like, this is simple addition, subtraction, multiplication, what have you, that I could easily do in my head, or even on the paper. And then I'll do it, and then I'll second-guess myself and be like, I should use a calculator. And I'll get the same answer. But... Right. Well, you know, it's always good to... They, they exist for a reason. I want to read this one. All right. And then we have a hundred toy soldiers packed in a footlocker. You wanted this one. Still want it. Still want it. Not enough to check to see where it, how much it would cost online. Too much. I don't know. Maybe not. Anyway, so then that brings us to our second story. And now, as stated previously, Ella Plum <laughs> Rowland is going to read our second story in issue number 60, April of 1962. Ella Plum Rowland reading the intro for the listeners of this podcast, Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen, a podcast where I, Gary Rowland, <laughs> read the Silver Age comic Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen with my daughter, 
Jimmy Olsen has made many journeys into the past. But one day, the red-headed young Daily Planet reporter enters an era that is chock full of shocking surprises. Back he goes to Colonial America on a strange search and finds... Well, you'd better see for yourself what Superman's young pal discovers when he is transplanted in time and meets the girl who was Lucy Lane's double. And in our first panel, we see Jimmy dressed in uh, that kind of clothes that signifies that it was around the late 17th century, maybe. He's dressed in stereotypical Puritan clothing. And he says, boy, I'm stuffed. You're a marvelous cook, Lucinda. Oh and then is a woman who looks exactly like, um, you know, Lucy looks exactly Lane. like Lucy Lane. But like if Lucy Lane was in a production of The Crucible. And she is huddled over a cast iron pot Cauldron. and said, I'm glad you're pleased, James. If you settle down into my town, we get married, I'd cook, clean, and prepare the most wonderful meals for you. I'd do anything to please you. Ugh. I would, I would also like to point out that on the floor of this cabin is what appears to be a lion skin rug. Might be a bear skin. That's not a bear's head. I don't know. Some... That is definitely some form of cat's head. Might be a cougar of some manner. All right. So uh, we, we open and, uh, okay, so uh, Jimmy Olsen looks out the window and he sees this dog catcher and the dog catcher is, you know. Catching a cat. Right, in this case, it's catching a cat. And he's trying to get, he goes into an alley where there are all these stray cats, but one of the cats. Is Streaky the super cat. And exactly. And you can tell this because it swirls around screaming and flying. Right. And has a lightning bolt on its side. Right. So so he's like, all right, she's going through so fast, he goes through the time barrier and into the past. And he's like, all right, well, I got to go after him. So what he does... I have a question. Sure. So it seems to me that the super pets are kind of capable of doing their own thing. Yes. So why doesn't Jimmy just let them do their own thing? Okay, folks at home, uh, just to let you know, uh, there is a helicopter overhead, and I believe it is one of those police helicopters that is looking for somebody. So if you hear it, that's what's going on. Anyway, so continuing. I think what, hap what, what's, what they're fine with is like, okay, so it's okay that the super pets are in this time, but when they start time traveling, they don't want them, you know, because of the buttercream effect. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, um, ladies and gentlemen, he means the butterfly effect. No, I mean the buttercream effect. <laughs> you make somebody a cake. It has implications. <laughs> People will be nice to you later. That's the buttercream effect. And, and, and it works with time travel. Anyway, so... <laughs> Jimmy so, puts on his engagement belt right. from that alien lady. Because right. apparently she gave it back to him before now, leaving in disgust. As you may or may not remember, in our last issue, Jimmy was engaged to a woman from Sunlev. Venus spelled backwards, and was given this betrothal belt. And I guess he was allowed to keep it. So he's like, all right, I'm following. I, I got to go after, uh, I got to go after Streaky. So he puts on the belt, goes back in time, 
finds himself in the middle of pre-revolution colonial America. Right. Uh, basically, in New England around the time of, I don't know, let's say the Salem Witch Trials. So, late 1600s? Yeah, late 1600s. So, right. 17th century. So, so, he goes in and he sees that it's a town and he's like, oh, these are Puritans. Um, I should probably not be wearing 20th century clothing. Which I think is the first smart call he's made in this in this issue. Um, so he goes and he finds a scarecrow. And he no, it's an effigy of a guy named Governor Gale. And he's like, down with Governor Gale, down with taxation without representation. The British are tyrants, and Governor Gale is the worst tyrant of all. So uh, he's an effigy. So he trades clothes with it. And then goes and is walking along on his merry way when he is attacked by wolves. Okay, I have a question. Sure. So wolves. Yes. Typically. Uh-huh. Were they in New England at the time? Let's start with that. Sure. Okay. Do they just randomly attack people? In real life, no. Okay. But in 1950s life? Absolutely. Absolutely. All animals attack humans at random. All the time. No, At all times, at no point. Like, you know, basically it was like Jaws. Everybody was afraid of Jaws, even though sharks, although when they are hungry and they want to eat people, can really mess you up. <laughs> By and large, leave people alone. Shark, shark, it's not that they want to eat people. It's that sharks are basically blind. And right. And a human on a surfboard looks a lot like an, a shark food animal. Or like how whenever anybody, you know, this is the kind of time when like anybody who sees like a boa constrictor, it is essentially Chekhov's gun. If they see a gun, they're going to So like if you it. see a wolf pack it's gonna in the story, you. then they're going to attack you. They're not just going to look at you from afar and just go. Okay. Like, you know, when I walk the dog and I see coyotes and they look at me and I look at them. And then they go on their mirror. And then they just go on their mirrors. Exactly. I know that people get terrified of them, but really, if you just like look at them, they're 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 usually going to move on because they they know that uh, there's a dumpster nearby that they can get some food from. All right. So, Jimmy uses his weird engagement belt to somehow sonically repel the wolves and then a bunch of soldiers show up hunters hunters show up and are like who the hell are you and he's like i'm uh uh er, james and they're like okay james we're going to town and you're coming with us because we don't know who you are and you're suspicious he says i am alone in the world my parents uh drowned in a shipwreck and they were like oh Good lad, come with us to the town. We'll find someone to take you in. Is this how the 17th century works? Very friendly in the 17th century, I guess. Well, I guess it's also a thing just like... Help thy neighbor. Right. And also just like it, they, they have to be good. For, they have to look out for each other because if they don't, then they will all be killed. This is true. <laughs> so then he's like, all right, well, I got to go find Streaky. But for the now, I, gotta, I should go. I should go with you guys. I should go with you guys. So he goes into town. And there's, and, uh, they find that there's the uh, doll effigy of the governor in Lucinda Lawrence's house. And then she's about to get a and, ducking for right, being... For being a witch. Yeah. And then Jimmy's like, wait, 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 Because in, in the late 1600s, uh, if any woman did anything wrong, they were immediately a witch. Not even wrong. Right. Like... Just not what they expected. They could they literally expected. just be standing there and people would be like, oh, witch! Right. So 
James Olsen is immediately taken with this Lucinda because right, she looks because exactly she looks exact, like Lucy Lane. Right, and that's yeah, that's Jimmy Olsen's other superpower. Like I don't know why they say he's always finding someone who looks like Lucy Lane. Yes, no matter where he goes in time, he always finds somebody who looks exactly like Lucy Lane. And so in this case, Not Lucy even Lane. In time and candor. In this case, she's about to be tried as a witch, or you know, with the with the thing where yeah, they drunk you underwater for a long time and ducking. Which sounds a lot more cuddly than it actually is. Like, if someone says ducking, I imagine, like, going and chilling with a bunch of ducks. I don't imagine, like, getting strapped to a chair and held underwater. It's true. So, Jimmy's like, I will take her place. And so they dunk him underwater. And uh, Jimmy uses his betrothal belt. To create a pocket of air so, so, so he that- can breathe. And he's left under there for five minutes. Right. Which would pretty much kill... And Anyone. you even see that the governor's like, well, this will make an example of him. Right. We'll just kill him. What? Well, he's a stranger in a strange land. They could just kill him. And he's, a, like, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a foundling, so uh, nobody would miss him. But, like, that's not right. You don't just kill the new guy. He is the mean governor. You don't just kill the new guy. Hello, villain. You don't just kill the new guy. Obviously, you were never in New England in the seven, in the late 1600s. All right, so they found out. Of course, when, so when they get him up, they're like, oh, well. He's alive. Hallelujah. I guess it'll be fine. And then they convict him of being a witch, and then they burn him at the stake. I mean, not yet. Right. So they. So Jimmy's like, so he gets out of it. Everybody's like, hey, he's not dead. What? How could he? And he's like, back home. I used to swim for miles underwater in the Thames River. No one was swimming in the Thames River. I don't know. It was too dirty. It, it was polluted. London was a dirty, filthy city with no, um, whatchamacallit. Sewage? Yes, that. I imagine that the reason why he said it is just because he knew that there was a Thames River in England. <laughs> yeah. So he then is like, hey, Lucinda, there's that Lucinda. And then Lucinda's like, come, stay with me. You have helped me out, so I now owe you. And you happen to be somewhat handsome. And so they go to her house, and she's making food, and he's eating the food, and everyone is happy with the food. Of course, you know, this is also a time when uh, if a man was seen staying with a woman... They um, were married. They were, like, essentially, if they weren't... They were basically married. Right, if they weren't murdered... You know, for being immoral, they would just marry them. So he He's sweeping about as Lucy goes to her day job, which Luc- Lucinda has a day job in the 17th century. Good for her. Sure, she's gonna wash some clothes. Oh, so not even a job. Right. There's some cold mutton and plenty of milk. So he has he has his breakfast of milk and mutton, and um, yummy. I mean, and... that's more nutritious than what most high school students eat for breakfast. So not as good as a pop tart. Pop-Tarts are great. So he's cleaning up and he sees Streaky. And he's like, I got to go after Streaky. So he then, using the broom that he is sweeping up with, he... He activates the flying component on his engagement belt and flies after Streaky, who flies into the chimney and out pops a black cat because Soot and Cole, even though Jimmy is absolutely clean. And then then he's holding the cat and scolding him. Bad, bad Streaky, bad Streaky. And he's like, hey, the the bunnies, the, the belt. And he noticed that his betrothal belt is missing. And they... And then Lucinda comes in and is like, Jimmy, you gotta run. They think you're a witch. And if they think you're a witch, then they're probably going to find out I'm a witch. Right. And he's like, what do you mean you're a witch? 
so she's like, uh oh. Oh wait, no, I'm getting ahead of it. You so are getting ahead of it. They're like, they're, go- they're going, they're coming to arrest you because I don't know. They saw you flying around on a broom. They break down the door, and Jimmy is found under a ladder. And they're like, we saw you with a black cat, and now you're under a ladder, and it's Friday the 13th, so guess what? You're a witch, and now you're going to be tried and killed. No, no, he's not a witch. He is a demon. That's what they call him. <laughs> so Jimmy a demon. So he is a demon. So, yeah, so he... They're like, okay, we're, he's a witch, 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 he's a witch. And then, then they threaten him. I think they say they're going to burn him at the stake, which is not something that was done in America at the time. They just hanged them. Anyway, so they put him in the stocks. And then Lucinda comes by and he's like, you've come to say goodbye. And she's like, nope, I'm saving your butt. Let's go. And she poofs him out with a magic wand and they appear back in her house. He's like, but, 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 but. And she, and she was like, okay, this is my magic wand. That black cat is not your cat. That is my cat, Satan. <laughs> she named her cat Satan. Well, if you might as well. <laughs> really, if you're going to go, go all out. And then she opens her cupboard to reveal a bunch of like witch voodoo doll thingamajigers and then she's like here's your belt go and he's like yeah sounds good so he sees streaky and he grabs streaky and he's like okay we're going and then he gets back to the 21st not 21st century 20th century and sees a picture of lucinda in a history book and it's like yeah it's a good thing i got out of there i don't want i was in salem so actually he doesn't he he doesn't have the belt i think what happens is that lucinda sends him forward in time i think why does she have his belt then i'm not sure she used a combination of like the belt and her magical witch powers to to bring jimmy back and streaky everything's fine and you find out that he was in salem during the witch trials right which really we should have all known we really it should have happened anyway so peg then we have peg you find out that Peg has two diaries, one I write in for herself, and one I fill up with things that I make up. And so he, uh, she, she writes a second diary for her boyfriend, who steals and reads her diary. That's no. It's not. It's not very nice. No, if if you if you catch someone going through, you no. All right, and then like, his... literally just violates your privacy for their own yes. personal amusement and entertainment. That's not okay. That happens all the time. Yeah, but that's not okay. Well, yes, uh, but that argument could be made certainly, and and I would very strongly make it. But there are all these people. Like, parents always are able, uh, like, they yeah, read their children. Yeah, that's not okay. But they just say, I need to know what my children's doing. Luckily, I don't have that problem. Because not only do I have children who don't keep diaries, um, I trust them. Well, yeah, I didn't so, keep a diary because I was afraid if I did, you guys would just read it. And that defeats the purpose. So, then we have coming super attractions. Oh, well, now you can just have a blog. Um, so... Then we have Action Comics featuring Supergirl's Greatest Challenge. And then so it has all the her with, uh, I guess she goes forward in time that they referenced before to hang out with the Legion. And then in Adventure Comics, there's a tale in the Bizarro world for Bizarro Titano, the kooky super ape. And then Lois Lane, Lois Lane gets Lois Lane's Revenge on Superman, where he turns um, Superman into a super baby. Okay, so then we have Jimmy Olsen's pen pals. Um, so somebody points out that in this story, in the story of Superman, Jimmy Olsen's super birthday, that his watch makes a weird noise. And what, 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 is that hap- what happens? 
And so, and somebody says, hey, why doesn't Pete Ross take over Jimmy's role as cub reporter? And they're like, well, he's too old. I mean, yeah, isn't he Clark Kent's age? Maybe. Because if they're boyhood friends, then... So then, and then somebody, of course, says, um, although I appreciate the fact that Bruce Batman Wayne is a talented, skillful fighter for peace, I never gained the impression that he was blessed with the skill of flying. However, that is what you show him doing in the recent Yarn Olsen Super Birthday. I mean, now, please don't tell me he was wearing tiny jet engines and leaped out of a waiting helicopter. But if you... Okay, so this one I can even answer. If you saw... If you read the issue, which was last issue, he was in a plane. He was in a plane. Clearly, he was in a plane. Robin was right there. Yeah. So he's just like, dumb. So, so you know, so hey. Hey, dummy. Hey, Patrick Ellis of Los Angeles, California. You're just dummy. <laughs> I don't care if you're out there right now. I'll say it to your face. Please don't. Dummy. <laughs> Peter Ellis... Los Angeles, California. Patrick Ellis of Los Angeles, California, who wrote the Jimmy Olsen's Pen Pals. Dummy. Please, no. I don't care if he's out there. He's probably really old, so <laughs> it doesn't really Let's matter. Let's not call old people dummies. <laughs> All right, so that then brings us to our last story. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. When Jimmy Olsen dreams, he dreams big. Yet not in his wildest dreams has the red-haired reporter ever imagined that he would stand among the great military leaders of history. But when it happens, there's more grief than glory for him when, in the crisis, when the fate of Metropolis depends on the fantastic army of Jimmy Olsen. That's an exaggeration. So we see that Jimmy Olsen is in his, uh, he's leading some soldiers, and it says, our enemy is the mechanical brain from space. I've got to think of a strategy to defeat it. But how can I conquer an enemy who's never lost a battle? So. You you call Superman. Well, certainly. That argument could certainly be made. So. So we start the story. Jimmy Olsen is. In his office. And a woman from another planet shows up at his, oh, uh, you know, a woman dressed all in all kinds of crazy gear shows up at his um, desk right and so he shows up to the to his desk and you find out that this woman uh is a press agent uh who is basically looking for press for a new movie and so he writes the story and the guy is like and jimmy is like and i'm sorry perry is like no way you fell for a cheap press agent trick another story like that and you're fired i mean and then okay. so he then comes back to his apartment and two green men with antennae show up, and they're like, hey, you gotta help us. And Jimmy's like, no, sorry, no more press agents, bye. Oh, no, they come up, and first they say, can you contact Superman for us? And he's like, no, look, I, I, stop it. And so then they take him to another world. And I guess Superman is out of town? I guess. He's somewhere else? I don't know, but... They go and they're like, we have this big problem and Superman's the only one who can help us fix it, but he's not here, so you'll have to do. And so, you know, he's like, hey, so there's a super brain that's constructing all these machines. Superman and Supergirl are away. But anyway, he says, I'll get, oh, so it's that, uh, and these, then these super brained are, they're coming to Earth. Yeah. And so... To destroy it or And whatever. so we got to get the word out. And so she tells Perry, she's like, I'll tell Perry. And then Perry's like... This is another press agent trick. Right. You're almost fired, Jimmy. 
So then he goes to the police, and they're like, you are a dummy. Perry White already called us. Right. Perry White called us dummy, and we're not, we're not falling for your dummy dumbness, dummy. So... I love that Perry White's like, this idiot's going to go to the police. Well, you know, this is the time when they didn't really they didn't know. I guess you that's where you would start, I guess. So he's like, all right. I mean, it's an alien invasion. What do you do? There's an alien invasion coming. We got to figure something out. But they're like, but we are peaceful creatures. He's like, we got to go. We got to, we got to like, so he's, so Jimmy's like, we got to fight him. And the, the aliens are like, we are peaceful. And he's like, all right, well. Well, it's time to not be peaceful. I guess like, oh, and so he's like, ha, he, her, ha. So then he's like, okay, I got an idea. So he goes to the set. Of, a, of another movie. Well, first he goes to his disguise trunk. And remember that time when he posed as a general? No. That's right, because it didn't happen. But anyway, he happened to have a loose general costume hanging around. And so he goes there, and then they go to Revolutionary War uniforms. Okay, I'm mad. Give me... I need to... No. Okay. Go ahead. So, one, short sleeve shirts were not a thing during the Revolutionary War. That was unacceptable to have your arms showing at any time. Yes. Okay, so... But much in the same way... I'm not done. Okay, go ahead. All right, go ahead. Not only that, the sleeves are red and white stripe. First off, what the hell kind of revolution? What? Has there ever been like a historical revolutionary war? I'm assuming they mean the American Revolutionary War. Yes. Where striped uniforms were a thing? I have no idea. Okay. Also, no jackets. Jimmy, if you're going to be wearing a uniform, have it match that of the rest of the freaking people. Also, that's not practical in the least. Are, are you done now? In the Revolutionary War. <laughs> are you going to start singing Hamilton? No. I am to assume, because there were no red coats involved, that these were not British uniforms. And very few American soldiers had actual uniforms. Maybe they're the Hessians. I'm mad, okay? <sighs> This so, is not the Revolutionary War that I was taught about. Well, you know, much in the same way that all wolves attack in movies. You know, this is, it's wildly inaccurate depictions of but all things. Dad! With, with like, you know, uh, with princesses and their pointy hats and Vikings and their horned helmets and um, uh, but like all the rest But, like, everyone knows what the Revolutionary War uniforms looked like. Look, Dad. I think somehow I feel as though. No, we are not off topic. We have gotten this is off track. in the comic book. This is not off topic. So I am mad. So he shows up. So, so they, they they and they also give him a bunch of muskets. And so they're like, Oh no, the brains machines are here and they're advancing. So then he uh, pulls out his. So it's basically a group, a whole group of people who don't know of, how to fight of alien pacifists. He's leading a whole group of alien pacifists who are carrying. Prop guns. guns, and he is expects to win. And he's a, he's uh, disguised. He's uh, in his general costume. That's not even a general costume. That's a marching band uniform. So he's like, all right, well, he figures out. Oh, okay. So first, so basically, they they first show they they bring in an alien piece of technology, which they showed before, which was this expandable cube. 
Oh yeah, so, that's part of how they convinced Jimmy that they actually were right. Aliens. So they, expl- they so basically they make a portable wall that gets up and takes care of it and holds them back for a while. But of course, it won't hold them forever. So he's then I got to go. He goes back to Metropolis. He tries to get help. Of course, they don't believe him because who the hell would? And then he borrows some robots from a movie set right so he lets him borrow fake machines ray guns and all and so they come with these radio controlled robots who engage the fake mechanical runs meet the real ones and the the of course the those robots the real robots destroy the prop robots and Jimmy now owes money to the movie company. Well, that's fine. So then there, it, it be, all is lost, and they're like, "Hey, our last chance is a suicide charge." Oh my God, Jimmy! Which I, it's much like the idea of people who shoot at Superman, and after you know, certainly, certainly everybody knows that Superman is immune to bullets, but in the Superman TV show, everyone shoots at Superman. Everyone shoots at Superman. That's all you ever see used against and Superman is guns. Whenever it is finally it is established that like bullets do not work on whatever creature or alien or whatever, the first thing that a lot of people do will try to shoot them anyway, thinking that it's going to get into some weird crevice piercing place. So much like this, they they've expanded this to um robots. To robots. So they go to the suicide charge, and luckily, at that moment... Superman shows up and right. saves everyone's butts. Right. So the two... Oh, and so does Supergirl. The super... So Superman and Supergirl show up, and they destroy everything in Wreck House. Woo! And then the day is saved, and Perry White's like, huh, you're an idiot, kid. Right. He's like, hey, did I... And we didn't even believe, so he apologizes to Jimmy. And Jimmy's like, well... I am an idiot. Right. And that brings us to the end of the third story, first story, third story, which brings us into the home stretch. We have here. Here's a whole book a catalog of famous coins that you might have. Woo. Spoiler alert: you probably don't. Then there is the frontier cabin, which is not so much a cabin as a big sheet. I'm still sad about that. And then George Jowett and his mixed fonts, followed by Sell American Seed Company Seeds. And all will be great. So that brings us to the end of issue number 60. I would like to thank you all for listening. Thank you. If you have a moment, please write a review and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever podcasting catchery engine that you use. We don't judge. Yep. If you could tell one person you know one of the stories that you have heard here, that would be greatly appreciated. It would. Follow us on the Facebook and the Instagram and the Twitter at Other Pals Pod all the way across the board. We, I, and by we I do mean I, post different things in each in each account. So yeah, I don't know how to work social media. So yes, I have the only teenage daughter who doesn't know how to use social media, and that's through no fault of my own. <laughs> it definitely isn't. Thank you to the Spin Doctors once again for not suing us. Thank you. And uh, you will. Support your local roller derby. And until next time, this is Gary Rowland. This is Ella Plum Rowland. And we say Superman away. Away. I, I got a